Misha here. If you enjoy our episodes on career pathways in healthcare or the STEM field at large, then I have the perfect podcast recommendation for you, Raising Health. Previously called BioEats World, Raising Health comes from leading venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz, the same team behind the acclaimed A16Z podcast. Each episode, Raising Health dives deep into the heart of healthcare, biotech, and AI with venture capital investors and A16Z general partners. Along the way, they explore the real challenges and opportunities in health and biotech entrepreneurship. So whether you're interested in building a new digital healthcare company or your company is advancing a new novel medicine, Raising Health sheds light on some of the opportunities and obstacles along the founder's journey. Not to mention, you'll hear raw insights, actionable advice from notable guests like Omada CEO and co-founder Sean Duffy, an AI expert and in situ CEO Daphne Kohler. Don't miss out. Follow Raising Health on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and tell them I sent you. This episode is brought to you by Sayer. We all know questions are at the heart of any interesting conversation. The better the question, the better the conversation. That's where Sayer comes in. Sayer, that's S-A-Y-E-R, is an app that allows you to ask questions to the world, share your opinions and predictions, and get curious on a global scale. So pick up that iPhone, go to www.sayerapp.com slash collider. That's S-A-Y-E-R-A-P-P dot com slash collider and install the app. Install Sayer and start questioning everything today. Sayer, you ask, the world answers. A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it, out. it was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. We have shows coming up in Brooklyn at Union Hall September 29th and in San Francisco at the Rickshaw Stop October 26th. Go to storycollider.org for more info. This week's story is from Brittany Bushnell. It was recorded in March 2015 at Littlefield in Brooklyn. So, I first noticed that something was wrong with me when I didn't hear the person sitting next to me ask me a question. And it wasn't one of those situations where you're kind of spacing out and you just don't really realize what they said. It was five people having an active conversation and I didn't realize that the person sitting next to me had even said anything, let alone asked me a direct question. And that scared the shit out of me. And so I went and saw a doctor that day who immediately sent me off to a specialist who then immediately ran a bunch of tests. And he came back in and sat me down in his office with the sheets down on the desk and said, okay, so you have 80% hearing loss in your left ear and all of your auditory reflexes are completely absent. So usually when they blow puffs of ear in your, air in your ear, your eardrum will kind of move to react to it. Mine didn't do anything, and so that meant that there was some neurological problem. And he said, usually this means that there's an acoustic neuroma, which is a brain tumor that grows around the auditory nerve. But the only way to really know this is to do an MRI. So they scheduled me for an MRI, 
And I just kind of left the office and was in a complete daze and got on the bus and went back down to my first year office where I was a brand new graduate student and just thought, fuck. I have been in New York City for all of two and a half weeks. I don't know a soul here. All of my friends, all of my family, my brand new fiance are all back in Seattle. And this doctor just told me I probably have a brain tumor and I didn't know what to do. So I sat down and there's a couple of my new classmates sitting there and I was like, I need to get a drink. And they looked at me and they're like, there's a talk in 20 minutes, can we go afterwards? I was just like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't know anybody. So I just left. So we went and got my MRI and then I get, my husband finally moves to New York and I get the most terrifying phone call you can possibly get from a receptionist. So there's three different phone calls that you'll get from a doctor after a medical test. The first one is the best. It's the happy receptionist that just says, hey, your test results are back. Everything's normal. Have a good life. Never have to see him again. It's perfect. The second one is a little more scary. They're like, okay, we saw, we got your results. Doctor wants to talk to you about them. Call us when you have a chance and we'll make an appointment. And the third one is the one that I got, and they call, and it's a very somber person, and they just say, we got the results, the doctor wants to see you, can you come in at 8.30 tomorrow morning? And so we pack up, we get into the doctor's office first thing in the morning, and he pulls up the MRI, and there in the middle of the picture of my brain is a giant white blob. And he's like, you have a tumor, it's about three and a half centimeters, and I need to refer you to two surgeons because I can't handle this. And the first thing I do is I look at him and I say, can I finish my semester? I was like, he just kind of stared at me. And he's like, okay. Um, and I'm like, I'm in the middle of this class right now. It's called math tools. And it's really ruining my life and I don't ever ever want to have to take this class again and so he's like well talk to your surgeon and so then my husband goes to his second day of work and explains to his brand new boss that his wife has a brain tumor and he's gonna have to miss some work and we go and see the surgeons later and I again immediately pose the same question I'm like can I wait and do this surgery after I finish the semester. And fortunately, the doctors are kind of familiar with our program because they're in the NYU health system. They work there, and they know the professors. And so they're like, okay, well, if you wait to the end of the semester, that's fine. But if you go any longer, you kind of start risking that it'll grow too much and start closing off your ventricles, which helps supply cerebral spinal fluid to, you know, the rest of your brain and your spinal cord, so that would be bad. So you can wait till the end of the semester, but after that, we got we to get it going. So we agree. I finish up the semester. I pass my math class, never have to take it again. And the rest of the semester just kind of passes in this crazy haze of classes and wedding planning and Hurricane Sandy happened in the middle and surgery preparation. And then January 7th, 2013, I finally have the surgery. And I wake up and I'm in the recovery room and there's two things that I immediately think of. One is where is my husband? 
I'm looking around and it's just me and this nurse typing on a computer and I look at her and I'm like, where's my husband? We got married last week and this is our honeymoon and he should be here. And she just looks at me and she's like, you just kicked him out because you wanted to go back to sleep. So he'll come back later. And I was just like, okay. And then the second thing was the doctors had warned me ahead of time that there's two problems that usually come after this surgery. One is the ex most expected is that you end up with some like balance problems because they go through the vestibular organs. So you kind of lose half of your balance system. And then the second one is that the facial nerve is right next to the auditory and that vestibular nerve. And so you'll end up with some facial numbness. And from what little I understood about the nervous system at the time is that everything that is on one side of the body is in the other side of the brain. And so I woke up expecting that it would be the right side of my face that was numb because Joffrey, which is what I had named my tumor, was on the left side. <laughs> and so after they cut the little bastard out, I should have numbness on the right side. And I woke up and the left side of my face was numb. And I couldn't put into words to the nurse why this was weird to me. All I could say is I just kept rubbing my face and saying, it's ipsilateral and it's supposed to be contralateral. <laughs> and again, she just kind of patted my hand and was like, honey, it's okay. The doctor's gonna be in it a little bit and he'll explain it to you, it's, it's normal. And then the ironic part is that if I hadn't been having brain surgery that day, I would have been taking the first day of a neuroanatomy course with the rest of my classmates. So then when they came to visit me in the hospital, they were like, oh, so you did this nerve, which was going this way, and they kind of were like looking at me as a test subject because they're learning about how things normally work, and then all of a sudden they're presented with one of their friends who is not normal anymore. And so later, once I had recovered and relearned how to walk and all those little details, I started coming back around and they were taking a class where they were learning about the visual vestibular reflexes. So usually when you walk around in the world, your eyes move with you so that you can see everything steady and the whole world doesn't bounce. It took four months for that to happen to me. Every single time I would walk down the street, the entire world would move. So it took me a few weeks before I could walk down the street without wanting to vomit and curl into a ball. And so when I came back and things weren't still entirely normal, I remember one of my classmates in particular having me walk down the hall so that he could watch my eyes not move like they should. And then do the like the follow the finger tricks, but move my head and my eyes wouldn't move like they wouldn't do anything normal. So I just became kind of a, a test dummy. And then when I took these classes next year and we started, I finally actually learned about them. I was like, oh, that's what they were testing. And that's what I should have been doing. That's why that worked. And it's just like all these pieces kind of came together and it all worked really well. But then... So now it's been about two and a half years since the surgery, and for the most part, I'm back to normal. I'm completely deaf in my left ear, and when I get really stressed out, my left side of my face starts to tingle, but nothing really that sticks out to me. But the one thing that people keep asking me is, how did you do it? Like, why did you just keep going? Like, at no point, like, for some reason, the idea of quitting just, like, never really occurred to me. And then... 
this semester I started teaching undergraduates and one of the things we were learning about is I was teaching them neuroanatomy and so I got inspired and I went back and I looked at my MRI and I looked at where just how Joffrey was actually located and realized that I should have been fucking terrified. He was like if you were to show my MRI to somebody and ask them what symptoms you would expect you would expect some really weird motor like in disabilities, um, memory impairments, abnormal emotional responses, some hearing loss maybe, some balance maybe, but the only problem I ever had that you could diagnose was some hearing loss. And so it just like astounded me looking at this. I'm like, how is it that even though I have this giant hole in my head and things getting pushed everywhere, I didn't have all these problems. And then I realized, well, maybe the fact that it was pushing against my amygdala might have been part of why the only thing I cared about before surgery was not taking a math test again. <laughs> Thank you. That was Brittany Bushnell. Brittany has a BS in psychology from the University of Washington and is currently working on her PhD in neuroscience at New York University. She is studying the neural basis of amblyopia, a developmental disorder of the visual system. Outside of her work, she takes aerial circus classes and grew up racing BMX bikes with her family. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Weck, Darren Barker, Ari Daniel, Christine Gentry, Skylar Baer, and Liz Neely. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Littlefield for hosting the show, to Heather McKellar and Heather Bowling at Be Brainy NYC for help producing the show, and to grad school for so often being meta. Thanks for listening. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back, and this week we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Yeah.